The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com So in place of a regular episode where we have a conversation with a guest, um, we're going to take a break for that um, for this episode because there's a lot of shit going on outside. And honestly, Sharon and I were talking, it just felt kind of tone deaf to just do another episode. Um, And we record a lot of interviews. We have a whole slate bag of amazing conversations, but it's kind of meant to be evergreen, not meant to be commentary on anything happening at any one moment. And the next few interviews were recorded a month or two ago. And while right. they dance around the edges of some of these topics, and we, we think some of them are relevant, there wasn't the opportunity for us to put our commentary on it. I, so I don't know, Sharon, how are you feeling with everything going on right now? I feel sad and angry. Um, I'm going to start to cry. You know, I actually... You asked me to record this yesterday, so today's May. Th- today May thirty first. Yeah, <laughs> last yeah. last last day of the month. <laughs> last yeah. day of the month, um, and this past week has been absolutely insane with everything going on, from the chaos in the streets to the um, peaceful protests that are being treated as as if they're not, and just all sorts of things. And, um, I just, I couldn't bring myself to talk about it yesterday. And I woke up this morning. I thought, you know, we, we have to have this conversation because that's the whole point of this podcast. Yeah. I, I've been staying away from the news in general because of the other madness, the pandemic, right? Like I've right. been limiting my news intake and whether it's the podcasts or other stuff at home, there are days where I only consume the news for like 10 minutes in the morning or in the evening. And for some reason, I spent three days just away from the news. There's just too much going on at home. And I just didn't want to deal with the world. And um, I got a text. I think it was from my sister. And yeah. she was asking, older sister, lives in South Florida, uh, married to a black guy. So her kids are effectively black. And she was asking, um, she knows I'm into comics. She's like, Roman, what are some comic books? And I thought she was talking about for her son. Maybe it was for a Facebook friend. I don't know. That helped deal with this. And, you know, I pointed her to... Um, March, uh, which I highly recommend. It's historical um, by John Lewis. And also um, Superman versus the Klan, which I actually read for (laughs) Superman smashes the Klan, um, which I just read for another podcast. But I didn't really get it. Like I was like, oh, I I hate to say I'm kind of numb to, oh, more shit happened. And then I started reading op-eds by CEOs and actual articles. And then this kid who used to work for me sent me this 
impassioned speech by Killer Mike from uh, Run the Jewels to the city of Atlanta. And I, I, can I read an excerpt from it? Because it just kind of... Yeah. 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 So this is what Killer Mike said. And worth knowing, uh, noting, he is a very... Uh, he campaigned for Bernie. I'll just put it at that. Um, here, This is a quote from Killer Mike. So I'm duty bound to be here to simply say that it is your duty not to burn your own house down for anger with an enemy. It is your duty to fortify your own house so that you may be a house of refuge in times of organization. Now is the time to plot, plan, strategize, organize, and mobilize. It is time to beat up prosecutors you don't like at the voting booth. It is time to hold mayoral offices accountable, chiefs, and deputy chiefs. Atlanta is not perfect. We're a lot better than we ever were, and we're a lot better than cities are. And if you haven't seen the speech, it's it's five minutes. It's You should go watch it um, or go read the transcript. Um, Let's post it in the show notes. We'll post yeah. it in the show notes. Uh, I'm angry. And, you know, my mom, I was talking to her last night. She's like, what do you think about all this? And I was like, I I get it. Yeah. Um, I I don't condone it, but I understand it. Um, crimes are being committed and not prosecuted. And that's... <sighs> and this has been going on forever. This is just stupid. I think for this, for the way... So the way my attention was brought to this, because just like you, I've been not really engaging in the news as much. It's just like, it's, it's just every, like every time I open up some, anything, whether it's Apple news or the New York times, or even just being on Twitter, I'm like, I feel like I'm being pulled into this clickbait world of not really knowing if what I'm real, what I'm reading or seeing is true. You know, like 10% is probably fact and 90% is sensationalism. And so I try not to engage um, that much. And my husband, who's black, a black male, came to me one morning and he said, I'm going to show you something. But he says, look, but don't stare. And I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> you know, I was like, I think this was Tuesday morning, maybe this week. And he shows me this video that was on World Star Hip Hop where, um, you know, lots of content gets posted there just from people's phones and just stuff that like even before it even makes it to the big news um, platforms. And it was the video of of George Floyd with the um, cop's um, knee in his neck. And I literally, and whatever, it was like a 10-minute video, I watched the whole thing. I almost threw up at the end of it. I was so nauseous and I just felt so sick. My body literally had that kind of reaction. And, um, and then lo and behold, of course, you know, everybody, the whole, like the yeah. entire news media, entire social media, platforms took like, you know, just kind of completely um, exploded. And it's been this week of me just looking and trying not to stare, but staring like really like, you know, it's almost like just looking really hard at what's happening out there and how are we responding to it. And I think seeing the Killer Mike video to me was really inspirational because it helped me to realize that I was feeling helpless because there isn't a plan. Like, and maybe it's just because I am on the outside and I'm not in the streets protesting. And maybe I'm on the outside and I'm not a politician. But when I look at the structures that are in place where we could have a plan in place to, to um, either have a plan with uh, what do we do when um, police uh, officers or anybody in a position of power like that um, 
break the rules? Like what, you know, what are the, what are the laws that we'll have in place to prosecute these people to, um, you know, take away their pensions? Like, you know, what's the, like, like, what is the, I guess, what's the punishment that they're going to undergo? Because if there's no consequences, right, then it's just going to keep happening again. And yeah. yeah. So there's that. But then on the other side too, to remain open-minded, what's the plan for the protests? Right? Like, what is the plan? Like, what is the main message? What are we, what are they trying? What are we trying to do? What's the change that we're trying to affect? Not just in terms of cultural beliefs or societal beliefs, which I, I think we all agree need to change, but like, what's the actual three-point plan or the, the tangibles? And I think that's how, that's where a lot of this fear and anxiety is coming from, because I think we would all agree, no matter what side we sit on, like no matter what our role is in this, that something has got to give. But I feel like there's a lack of structure and a, a like a lack of 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 that type of leadership in place, but I want I want to I want to argue against that because okay. I view a protest as, or even a riot, frankly, as a force of nature. Right? It's raw emotion. It's like sure. a tidal wave coming to hit the shore. It's not the job to expect the tidal wave to have a three point plan. It's the job of our elected officials, our civic leaders, etc., to come together and say, "There's a fucking tidal wave coming." Yeah, we see it coming. Yeah. Because of something we did, maybe. Right. What's our three-point plan? So I think it's it's the job, the reason we put these people in place, either to say, oh, we fucked something up and caused that tidal wave, or this tidal wave is coming. How do we create levees and locks and dams or whatever to prevent the future ones from coming? Mm-hmm. Don't just retreat from the beach. Fortify. Yeah. yeah. And plot, plan, strategize, organize, and mobilize. Like, Because that's what elected officials are there for, to hear the people, to see the people, and do something. And I think, you know, this isn't the 60s, unfortunately. I think it's gotten easier to just let the people protest, let the people riot, let the water recede, and go back to business as usual. And we are a, our society is a frog in boiling water. And we right. just keep ratcheting up the pressure. And yeah. ratchet, whether it is, it's any number of things, right? Whether whether it's Trayvon Martin, whether it's George Floyd, whether it's Sandy Hook, you know, whether it's climate change, but like no one's listening. And I don't, uh, there's this MLK speech from 1967 that's also making the rounds right now. And MLK said, a riot is the language of the unheard. And what it is that America has failed to hear, it has failed to hear that the promises of freedom and justice have not yet been met. And it has failed to hear that large segments of white society are more concerned about tranquility and the status quo than justice, equality, and humanity. And, you know, the next episode we're about to air, I don't know when we're going to air it, if we're going to take a break or whatever, is my white friend, and it's a phenomenal conversation that's kind of relevant, but he said something that sparked my activism for this podcast. And he's like, if all you're saying is I'm not part of the problem, then you are part of the problem. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I don't, I'm, I don't get mad about stuff that often, but incompetence to solve problems that are in front of us that are solvable, not easy, but solvable. Like that's what makes me mad. Not the tidal wave, the inability to act in the face or in the aftermath of a tidal wave. Yeah. I think, um, I mean, I think as an Asian American, I, I'm feeling it a lot because our group of people were just and still are discriminated against because of COVID and coronavirus and and now this is happening 
And what's become very apparent is that there has been and there is a lot of anti-Black racism that exists in a lot of Asian communities. And just yesterday, well, two days ago, something surfaced very publicly at NYU, which is a school that I had gone to. That's my alma mater. And I was in an Asian sorority when I was in at NYU. And one of the Asian fraternities of that school has now been suspended from that school indefinitely because a group chat was exposed publicly of some of the brothers in the fraternities saying very racist things about the Black community in relation to the events of this week. And it's one of those moments where it was obviously a shared private conversation amongst friends, never to be, you know, never meaning for it to leak out the way that it did. But it's very telling of those conversations that some of us have in private and very telling of the things that we believe at our core. And that's contributing to all of this. And it's really heartbreaking to, to be in a moment where we, like staying silent and not participating is contributing to the problem. Or even worse, staying silent and sharing your your true feelings um and not trying not trying to educate yourself and you know not trying to to solve those problems and then behaving outwardly be- behaving in a very complicit manner is uh is fueling this i i actually don't know what's worse of keeping your racist views to yourself or getting <laughs> them out there no so after trump was elected aziz ansari Indian American comedian hosted SNL and his opening monologue. And this is like right after he got elected, you know, swastikas were being painted everywhere and it's troubling. And he was like, you know what? All you secret racists, please go back to being secretly racist because, and again, that, that contributes to the frog and boiling water, right? Problem. Right. But it's when it's out there, people consider it's acceptable. I get so sick of hearing there's both sides or there's very fine people on both sides. No, there are some absolutes. And look, my morality comes from comic books. I call it comic book morality. What would Superman do? What would you know Captain America do? But like, there's right and wrong. And there's not two sides of some things. I'm sorry. Right. Hate is wrong. Yeah. 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 And hate, I mean, hate towards anyone and from anyone is wrong too. You know, it's like this... It, it's this weird I, I actually well like when I take a step back I think we're we're trying to end racism we're, we're you know we're, we're ringing the bells we're calling people out for microaggressions and discrimination and behaviors and but in doing so we're sort of isolating this as well like we're sort of saying I don't know it's almost this like 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 we're grouping people into buckets in the same way that the whole point of, of of fighting against racism is supposed to stop, right? You're supposed to like, ideally, we would all see each other as being equal, and we wouldn't we wouldn't make judgments based on the color of our skin, and it's become this finger pointing thing of like, well, you are not us, and we are not you. I mean, I actually reached out to a very good friend of mine who's he's a cop, he's Chinese, he's so he's a Chinese cop, and he is a a brother in a black fraternity. And I said, I'd love to have you on this podcast. And he hasn't confirmed his availability yet because he's too busy fighting the street, like the war in the streets right now. But I look at someone like that and I think, how would somebody, like when he's out there and he's in the middle of the street and you've got people protesting against cops, 
because the assumption is that all cops are these white guys that are against people of color. And yet that person's a person of color. What do you do? And actually, this also brings me to, and I don't, you know, like we're just being super open, but in that video of George Floyd, there was that Asian cop that just stood there and did nothing. And that kills me personally more than anything. Because in some ways, like if I look at this, if I try to be so objective and so forgiving, he's a cop, right? So for what, I don't know what was going through those guys' heads at all. And obviously, like they've gotten fired and all of that. And I, I personally feel like they should definitely be getting, um, there should be a, a greater consequence than just that. But he was, so he's representing the law. And I guess he was doing his job to the best of his own or his understanding of what was his ability at that moment. But how do those decisions get made and how deeply rooted are these beliefs that you can just stand there while someone's getting killed in front of you, despite the fact that you're wearing a badge and you're on duty and maybe that's, you know, that's your, whatever that might be, your professional commitment or whatever you believed at that moment. But it's just, it's about humanity. Like it's not even about roles and titles and race anymore. It's about humanity. I think these are symptoms. That's it. These are symptoms. Um, I do think there are individual people making terrible decisions. Yeah. I don't believe that we should be colorblind. You know, some recent stuff I've been reading, you know, how to raise your child in a, a world of race, et cetera, is you tell your kids to acknowledge that there are black people and there are brown people and there have been differences in the way they have been perceived and because, you know, my child looks Asian because she's half Chinese, half Indian. Your kids look black. And I know from talking to my sister and my brother-in-law, who's black, that they're going to have a, to have a very different conversation with their children on the expectations and the way the world views them. And I will probably have those conversations with my daughter as she gets older, but being a woman. But I don't think we should view us all as the same because we are not. We are all treated differently for different reasons. And that's not going to change. It's slowly over time. Um, Jerry Seinfeld once said, I don't get racism because why hate a whole group of people when there's a plenty of reasons to hate an individual? <laughs> like when I make fun of <laughs> Rachel Ray or Cal Penn or any other person I just don't like, it's because of a personal, it's personal. Right. right? Yeah. I don't hate Cal Penn because he's Indian. I don't hate Rachel Ray because she's a cook. <laughs> like, my, you know, and these are irrational jokes that I make. But like, you have to judge a person on their merit. Yeah. But you also have to recognize that there's a lot of baggage that comes with what group of people they came from. I I have no solutions here. But to me, it's just like, wake the fuck up. That's yeah. to me, that's like the one solution. Like, quit society, quit putting your head in the sand and less about society, because that's the tidal wave that we're feeling right now. It's well, I have ideas. I don't know if these are solutions, but I have some ideas. And I think that as parents, you and I have a responsibility to behave in a way that we would expect our children to behave in situations like this, right? Like so much, so much of behavior is learned from role models and from adults at a young age. And so many beliefs are instilled at a young age. And I think I think about one of the first times that I experienced racism. And it was, I think I was on a bus 
I'm always on a bus when something pivotal happens, huh? You called me when I was on a bus and asked me to do this podcast, but I think I was on like a public bus in New York City. I might have been maybe in junior high school. So I was kind of youngish, but not, you know, like old enough to understand things, but still kind of young to like really have a strong enough confidence to, to kind of stand my ground and to stand up against an adult. But I was on a bus. There was a little boy and he, he was probably five or six years old and he was with his mom. He looked at me and he went, ching chong, wing wong. And I was like, whoa, right? So I kind of looked back because I thought I misheard him. And he was like, what are you looking at, chink? And he was five. And I said to him, and I think I was probably 13, I said, what you just said to me was really mean. And he just kind of laughed. And then I looked at his mother because I was like, are you paying attention to this? Do you know what you're, did you hear what he just said? And so I kind of looked at her and we made eye contact and she, she looked down on him and she was like, don't do that. Or she said something like, that's not nice. But then I looked hard at her and I thought, where did he get that from? Like, those aren't words that you just learn in school or on television. That came from either something that he's heard at home or something that he's heard through other adults in his life. And, or friends. Or, or, friends. or friends. But, but it came from somewhere. It, it came, came from, from somewhere. somewhere. It didn't come from the goodness of his heart. You know, that's not just something that, it's not a word that you just pick up. And and I like I felt like I wanted to, I don't know, just engage with the mom a little bit more. But again, I was 13. So it was just one of those weird moments of like, wow, like I, I just, I had never, I, I just never thought that a five-year-old would attack me in that way. <laughs> um, and so, and, and now that I'm an adult and I see so, so much of how my kids, they model the things that we do, right? They model the way that we respond to things. And, and I do a lot of things subconsciously, I'm sure that they're picking up on that I don't even realize I'm doing. And, and I think, so a lot of it starts with us, whether or not you have children, but a lot of it starts with just examining your own biases and your own reactions and responses and your own belief system when it comes to these things. I, I want to come back to that police officer because I, prior to everything kind of happening in the last week, I did watch NBC News had like a segment, a live stream segment about racism against Asian people in COVID times. And the head of the Congressional Asian Caucus, can't remember her name, but she said, it's kind of if you see something, say something. Don't be, don't be a bystander. Yeah. Either call someone out or if, you know, violence is potential out there, then at least deflect, change the topic. But like, you cannot let these things go by, whether they're microaggressions or macroaggressions. And it's, yeah, in that moment, you did the right thing on that bus. You called the kid out and not cool, right? right. Like call out shame, make people know what they're doing is not cool. And I, my wife and I were talking about this last night. She's like, it'd be better if the president just didn't say anything right now. <laughs> and it's just like, because talk about modeled behavior, right? Right. Person who is our leader, dear leader, so to speak, he isn't modeling good behavior. No. And when he does it, it literally gives everyone, and I'm going to say this, a dog whistle to go do what you want to do. Yeah. Yeah. So it's on all of us. Yeah. Parents or not parents. Don't just model good behavior. Call out bad behavior. Comic book morality. Don't stand for it. Uh, you got to fight for your right, right? As the Beastie Boys said. And just like... Because if we don't, it's slipping. I feel it's slipping right now. And 
maybe it's just because of everything going on right now in these unprecedented times, but I, I feel like the water temperature keep, keeps going up, keeps going up, and keeps going up. And it has been. Yeah. For a while. Yeah. We like to think it's been getting better and maybe the, you know, the arc of history bends towards justice, but I don't know, man. I feel it bending back some days. No, but see, this is where like I I feel like you're 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 the cynic where I'm the optimist, right? Which is I guess why we're a good pair. But I tr- I believe that all of us have good. Like we are inherently good. I I don't believe that anyone's ever true to their core evil. Like even if they're the most evil person ever, there's there's good deep down inside. And I think at moments like this, like we need to, like we need to shine that goodness and that light. And and yes, it can it can definitely be in the form of calling people out. It can definitely be in the form of protesting. It's definitely in the form of making change. But it has to come from a good place because if it comes from a place of fear or if it comes from a place of anger or it comes from a place of maliciousness, this is not going to stop. Yeah. So can I read you a story that Solomon yes. wrote this morning? In the mornings, we have our kids draw. They have to draw or write something like early in the mornings before they can get any screen time. So they do this to earn their screen time. And it's actually it's actually a, kind of a fun thing. So. I like that method. I'm going to steal that. Yeah, because it's like, you know. You got to earn your screen time. Earn your screen, screen time. Screen time's not a gift. Do something productive. And so he wrote a story this morning. It's called The Burrito and the Bacon. And like a true six-year-old, bacon is spelled with a K, B-A-K-O-N. Burrito is spelled B-I-R-I-T-O. So the whole thing's like laden with cute little, you know, six-year-old phonetical spellings. There's a little sketch of, of a burrito like each of the bur- each of the ends of the burrito are the eyes and then a little smile and then there's bacon with a little face. And it says, once upon a time, there was a bacon that was lonely and he saw other bacons happy and he was the only one that didn't have a friend. And then he saw a burrito and the burrito was also lonely and that bacon won- wanted to help him. And then after he helped him, they became friends. The end. That's great. And that gives me hope because we're all burritos and we're all bacons. And sometimes we just have to reach out and help a friend. And by doing that, the world will be better, even just a little bit. Stay safe out there. For more about this episode, links to things mentioned, or to join the conversation, visit monmypod.com. We'd love to hear from you. Now here's a preview of our next episode. If all you're doing is saying, I'm not part of the problem, I guarantee you you're part of the problem because it's going to, the systems are built to reinforce it along the way. These are things like our legal system, which at one time said only white people could be citizens, or it could be voting legacies where it's a hundred years now only that women would be able to vote, right? There are all these systems set up to create inequity. And if we're not actively working to identify them and change them, then we might say, well, I'm not that way, but we very much are. We collude. That's it for now. I've been Raman Segal. And I'm still Sharon Lee Tony. Remember, we're all model minorities out there. We'll talk to you soon. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. 
If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.